What an opening week of football it was. Week one of the 2022 NFL season had a bit of everything. There were upsets, overtime, missed field goals, a tie even. There were superstar comebacks, superstar injuries, and of course, some incredible stat lines. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast for week two of the NFL season. I'm your host, Nick Splitter. As always, joined by Ryan Lepore. Lepper, how are you going this week? Really well, mate. Great to have the football back. And it was, yeah, incredible week one, as it always usually is. Uh, you've hit the nail on the head there, mate, with those um, those key points you've already raised. Uh, incredible week with upsets galore. We saw some some big injuries. We saw some amazing plays and even a tie, as you said. So just an incredible, incredible early slate on uh, early Monday morning our time. Uh, I know there was a lot of back and forth texts between us in the early hours of Monday morning as well because there, there was a lot going on, but unreal to have the the football back and uh yeah we'll, we'll try and decipher some of it and, and and get some thoughts over to you guys and and as, as always and, and nick i'm sure we'll touch on is yeah we'd love to hear from you guys and what your thoughts were on opening week as well so yeah please reach out via social media uh tweet us is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us but yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts as well yeah very well said uh we are on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on tiktok although TikTok. i don't really know what we're doing with tiktok so <laughs> Um, come and slam us, whatever you, whatever you like. But we'll get to some of the, the talking points, I guess, from the opening week uh, in a minute. But, mate, what stood out for you in the in the opening week? Uh, I think, like like you said already, I mean, we saw some incredible upsets, none more so than probably the Steelers-Bengals game, which had absolutely everything. And, and of course, the, the dreadful part of that being the key injuries, again, to some superstar players. We saw, obviously, Dak Prescott, um, Elijah Mitchell, but none bigger probably than than TJ Watt, the reigning defensive player of the year, who's going to make a you know it's a huge loss for the Steelers and and how good he was, especially that incredible interception where he just um, went up to block it and just dragged it down with that brute strength and very similar injury to his brother had of course a couple of years ago with that pec. So um, touch wood, he's avoided surgery, but uh, it's a it's a huge loss for the Steelers who who look great again on on defense and and one in the most miraculous way, which. You know, we're, we're no stranger to seeing those incredible finishes in the NFL, but it seemed to be, you know, everywhere you looked uh, on red zone early Monday morning, there was just things happening everywhere. So I think that was the biggest thing, but probably the one you're, we're, we're going to kick off is with, with the Bills and, and how incredible they looked in that opening game. It was a pretty pretty uh, lacklustre opening match of the season, I, I suppose, uh, with the Rams really not firing a shot after half time. I think we were all squared at, at the half, but... The Bills blew them away in the second half and the Rams had no answers. And Matthew Stafford was a bit of a turnover machine. Yeah, it was it was one of the more dominant performances in a in a season opener that, that we've seen for a while. I think especially when you take into account, you know, the the excitement around that matchup that we touched on last week. I mean, uh we essentially had this matchup as our as our Super Bowl matchup um in our preseason predictions. Uh obviously the Rams reigning champions. Uh really expected a bit more out of them. But you know, it really showed why why the Bills are the early favourites for for the Super Bowl, and they really dominated and, and and tore the Rams apart in that second half, like you said. And there must be some concerns around the Rams and and a how they performed defensively and and kind of took on that Bills offense, but b offensively uh, for the Rams and and some of those issues that we saw with Matt Stafford. I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later on as, as we get to uh, to the Rams next matchup, but you and I sat and watched the uh, 
most of the second half of, of that game. And uh, I think we both kind of w- were a bit flabbergasted at some of those decisions and, and some of the, I don't know, I don't know, football IQ is probably too, too strong, but Matt Stafford didn't look like uh, Matt Stafford that we saw last season, did he? No, absolutely not. And we know there was a little bit of an, an elbow concern, I suppose, coming into the season, but all the Rams players and, and himself, you know, uh, had said that he was probably in the best shape he'd been uh, since he'd been at the club, I suppose. And certainly better than he was this time last year in terms of health wise. So, yeah, it was it was uh, interesting to see how how poor he actually performed, especially in that second half. Cooper Cup, without him, uh, who knows where the Rams would have been? I mean, other than him, there was no one else making catches for the Rams. Alan Robinson was barely targeted. Uh, of course, Cam Akers had the, had the three carries oh. to many people's um, disbelief. Uh, Don't and get course, me started on Cam Akers. Uh, yeah, there was there was plenty of chatter over um, over lunch while we were watching, and Daryl Henderson obviously got the start as the number one back, but Cam Akers. Barely featured in, in in the offense, didn't really even get on the ground. Yeah, like you said, the defense didn't look quite as good. It was okay early, obviously created a few turnovers, but they were more probably to do with the the Bills' offense rather than the the, the Rams' defense making good plays. Jalen Ramsey looked a bit of a shell of himself. I mean, he'll come good, we know that. But Aaron Donald, once he was kind of taken out of the game, there was no one else, you know, to, as an edge rusher. And, and you could see how good Von Miller was on the other side of the ball. So it was a huge huge loss for the Rams to, to not have um you know his experience and his absolute athleticism on, on that on that defensive line. So yeah, other than other than Aaron Donald and once they kind of kept him in check, there wasn't really anyone coming after Josh Allen, which was a bit of a concern for the LA Rams, but thankfully they get to bounce back this week, hopefully for the Rams sakes and, and plenty of punters. Uh against the Falcons, no Super Bowl team has started 0-2 since nineteen ninety nine. So they're ready to to ready to bounce back, and they've got a, a good opponent opponent to go and kind of um, you know get themselves in check, and and hopefully you know get square the ledger and get back to one and one. Yeah, that's right. But before we move on to to the next, I guess the next point, you mentioned Cooper Cup and how dominant he was once again. Are, are they too reliant on Cooper Cup? I know we saw last year, especially through the playoffs, that while he'd had an incredible season up to that point already, I think what he was able to do in the playoffs when they started spreading the ball around. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got more involved in that offense. Cam Akers obviously came back from from injury for the playoffs, um, and and they weren't as reliant on Cooper Cup uh, and his output and, and putting up those monster numbers because they were able to spread the ball a bit uh, around a, a, a bit more and and made I guess the offense a bit more versatile and and flexible. And it, it just seemed like I think we all thought with Allen Robinson coming in that he was going to be a step up in that offense. Uh, but like you said, was was barely targeted. I think what do you have three three targets, one catch, two catches, or something for the game, and just it was was really disappointing to see. But it felt like uh, you know super reliant on Cooper Cup again, and some of those poor decisions from Stafford in in the second half were just throwing to Cooper Cup when there were much better options elsewhere. Yeah, well said, and and yeah, it was it was two two targets for for one catch for Allen Robinson, which. Is staggering to think. Uh, Tyler Higby was probably the next the next most targeted player for for the Rams, but he 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 struggled and and the, the throws weren't great either. And and then after that, there wasn't really anyone else. There's we, we saw Ben Skronik, the the second year man. He kind of got a few looks, but he's he's not going to do the damage that a an A Rob is or anything like that. And other than that, they're pretty thin with Van Jefferson still out injured. So Daryl Henderson was another player that Stafford targeted out of the um, passing game. But again, we just didn't see Cam Akers feature at all in, in that in that part of the game. So 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Sean McVay does with, with Akers. If it was a really a slow build into the season, we saw him, you know, take on such a heavy workload in the playoffs after after a serious injury. So it was surprising to see see him not involved uh, not involved at all, really. So again, they've got a great opportunity to bounce back against a you know a, a rebuilding Falcons team. Although they they probably surprised plenty last week with their performance uh, against the Saints, including myself, and thankfully. We got out of jail there with the Saints. They should they should probably prove too good the Rams, but you know if somehow they manage to lose this game and they start on two, then alarm bells certainly start to go off. I suppose the saving grace for the Rams in this in this is that the NFC West had a really poor week with the Cardinals getting thumped. We saw the Niners blow a, a blow a lead and and really perform poorly. So certainly not uh, die straight yet for the Rams, but uh, they'll work it out. I'm sure they're too good not to. But yeah. A little, a little, a few concerning signs, I suppose. Early, yeah. Well said. Well, from from one MVP candidate in uh, in Cooper Cup to another one, Patrick Mahomes looked like he was back to his best, throwing the ball impeccably, uh, hitting his receivers, and and really spreading spreading the load. We we know that they've obviously lost Tyreek Hill, and and they've essentially got an entire entirely new receiving core with Juju and uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling. Uh, and and a bunch of other other guys uh, alongside Travis Kelsey in that uh, Kansas City Chiefs receiving core, but uh, Pat Mahomes looks like he's ready to be the MVP again. Yeah, I think he played with a bit of funny shoulder, didn't he? I mean, all the mm. chatter in the off season or the preseason was around his opponent this week, Justin Herbert, and a few other quarterbacks like Josh Allen and and uh, a few others. So. I think Patrick Mahomes came out with a point to prove, and he certainly, um, you know, reminded everyone in the league and and across the world how good this guy is. And uh, you know, don't forget about me, kind of, kind of, um, you know, swagger and five touchdown passes. I mean, he, he played up against a pretty, pretty ordinary defense, it can be said, no doubt. But uh, again, they just look like a, a class when they're when they're throwing the football and moving it around. And I can't wait for you know the the opening game of week two. This this game against the Chargers is going to show. Um, Show the world where where these teams are at. So yeah, can't wait for that one. It's going to be an absolute barn burner. Yeah, you're right, and 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 I think yeah, both of us liked the the Chargers to to dethrone the Chiefs, I guess, in the division this season. But if if Mahomes plays it to that level, and uh, your your tip for the for the receiving leader in uh, in Travis Kelsey performs to that level as well, then you know they're going to be really hard to beat once again. And and it, you know the Chargers are going to have to do everything to to be able to take that top spot in the division, but. We touched on some of the upsets uh, at the top of the show, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, uh, New York Giants, your boys, the Giants, uh, and the Seahawks, all unexpected week one victories. Is that just one of those week one kind of anomalies or or is there is there something in this? Uh, look, there's always those, you know, week one we, we've said over the last couple of years and how unpredictable week one can be. And, and of course, we that's why we probably stayed out of a few a few head-to-heads and line bets last week. But we did pretty well in the player props, which we'll touch on a bit later. But the upsets always kind of seem to happen early in the season. And the, the ones that, you know, really came from nowhere was probably the Bears because they just looked so bad on offense early and, and they weren't really getting anything going. Their defense was... Uh, solid enough early, I suppose, but uh, the Niners had it under control and the game completely flipped and the Bears just ran away with, you know, with ease and, and won it well. Uh, the Vikings were just led from woe to go against the, the Packers who looked, uh, you know, shallow themselves and just didn't know what to do on offense with, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers having to almost throw it to himself to try and get 
anything going. So, you know, it was going to be a hard day out. And and the Vikings, I think, ended up might have even came in as as slight favourites in that one. But so it was less of an upset probably than the others, but it's still worth calling out for sure because many, including us, both tipped the Packers to, to again reign in the NFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers, we know how good they can be on defence, but the way they just picked apart Joe Burrow was obviously a, a surprise. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they held on in, in re- remarkable circumstances with the, with a blocked field goal, a blocked extra point, I should say, right at the end of regulation. And then, of course, the Giants, Brian Dayball effect come, coming into full effect already early with that, you know, going for two and, and being ballsy and letting their, you know, their playmakers actually do things. And, and do, you know, it was exciting to watch the Giants on, on uh, Monday morning. And then, of course, the Seahawks, which I don't think many people at all saw coming. I mean, the Broncos were really poor. They were probably their worst, their own worst enemy with a couple of fumbles on the goal line. But the Seahawks, yeah, they, they did what they needed to do. They were really well. Uh, they played beautifully. And, and of course, they used their 12th man to their advantage. But that was a that was a really big shock, that, that one. Yeah, it, it was a really big shock. And I'm not sure that we can take too much out of that one, uh, the Seahawks-Broncos game. Just I, I really feel like that's... Probably out of all of them, that one and, and the Bears win is probably that that week one bizarre, you know, bizarro world type result. Um, I think the Steelers shown showed that they can they can be competitive again, but yeah, how much of that they can continue to do without TJ Watt over the next you know two months or, or whatever is is going to be the question. Uh, the Vikings, I think, is is probably the the one that we can really take something from. I know that this was an, an understrength Green Bay Packers. We know that. Alan Lazard was out and he's slated to be their, their new number one receiver, whatever that means in, in Green Bay. But um, I don't know. I, f- I felt like the Vikings, you know, they, they were more unpredictable. Um, they, they took care of the ball. You know, they've got a bunch of talent. And, and I think that they kind of showed what they can do. We know, like like we said, is an understrength Packers team. And it's going to be really interesting to see what the Vikings do over the next couple of weeks. But um, I think out of all of them, they're probably the, the team that'll take the most confidence uh, from, from that, I guess, upset win. But the Giants, and, and you've been a bit bullish on the Giants uh, so far through the preseason, and you know, we've got a bit of a head-to-head on on how their their season will will progress. But what did what did you take out of the Giants? And and, and it it goes to show. I mean, Brian Dayball that you you mentioned is is a huge in. We both mentioned that uh, a number of times over our, our kind of season previews and and predictions and, and stuff over the last couple of weeks, but yeah, the biggest difference is a fit and healthy Saquon Barkley. I think that you, yeah, absolutely nailed it. That's definitely the key, key factor in, in that win from the Giants. Uh, he had an absolute monster game, and the, the thing that was, I suppose, the, the difference for the Giants this time around, and the surprising thing was that they they didn't give up. You know, in in, in a in a game where that you know a lot of times they would just kind of almost throw the towel in, where you know they got down by double digits in the second half. They're away from home. Titans were rolling, but the Giants just stuck around and, they, you know, they stuck to their guns. And I'm sure that comes from that Brian Dayball playbook where, you know, you just kind of grind away and, and you find a way. So um, they did it on defense too. They they managed to stop the run of, of the Titans, which was impressive, especially with Derrick Henry. They they limited Ryan Tannehill a lot early, uh, late in that game, I should say. And, and then, of course, they ended up making, you know, they kind of were their own worst enemies late in that game after Saquon. Went, went ahead with that two-point conversion. They gave away penalty after penalty, which kept giving the Titans first downs. And, you know, they probably deserved to be the winners in the end. They they played the more, um, you know, better brand of football, I should say, in, in the second half, you know, despite being scoreless in that first half. So 
I think they were impressive. Um, like you said, some healthy some healthy weapons certainly helped. Sterling Shepard was was unreal on the um, receiving as well. He'd missed a lot of games due to his Achilles injury last year. So to have him back fit, fully fit, Saquon Barkley fully fit, makes a huge difference. And Daniel Jones was obviously a lot of the time he's a bit of a turnover machine and, and can throw the odd interception. But he was he was clean. He he completed uh, you know almost ninety percent of his passes or something. Uh, yeah, it was impressive by the Giants, and I, I think they'll be, you know, again, they're not going to win the Super Bowl, I don't think, but there'll they'll be improvements there from the Giants this year. We we know what Brian Dayball was able to do with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Did you notice any any major differences with with Daniel Jones? You touched on kind of, you know, looking after the ball and, and being clean, clean in the pocket and that sort of stuff. But outside of that, uh, one of the things that, that we kind of spoke about in our season preview for uh, for the Giants was whether Daniel Jones could improve enough under Dayball to be kind of that Josh Allen light type figurehead for for the Giants. And do you, do you think that that's there? Do you think that that's that's you know in, in the realm of of possibility in New York? I don't think he'll he'll ever be a Josh Allen. I don't think, but he he certainly has all the capabilities, and he's a, he's a very accurate thrower. I, I find, and um, obviously he was a bit of a surprise when they picked him so high. But there's obviously something that organization has, has seen in him. They've 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 had faith in him. They've obviously this is like I said, the the make or break year for him and, and this is like, you know, to know if he if he's gonna be that franchise quarterback in the long term or if he's gonna just fizzle out uh, and and be one of those kind of um, you know, handy starters for, for other teams and, and be a bit of a journeyman. So this is the make or break year for Daniel Jones. He's obviously got all the pieces in place now to succeed. So it really comes down to him and, and I suppose, yeah, how much he wants it and, and how he's going to perform. But, yeah, it was good to see, you know, early days yet in one match. But uh, he did look a lot more composed and, and sure of himself. He he does have all the the tools, I guess, when, when you mm. talk, you know, pure raw ability, you know, the arm, the legs, the athleticism, the power, et cetera. It's all there. Uh, and if he can put it all together, then he can, he can be a pretty dangerous player. But uh, speaking of quarterbacks, there were some – Big returns, uh, Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson facing their old sides first up. What did you make of uh, of Baker Mayfield? He struggled early, that's for sure, but uh, he certainly turned it on late in that in that second half and and felt looked like he was more comfortable with his receivers and and of course behind that offensive line. But he looked like a bit of like almost like the Baker Mayfield of old uh, in that first half. He was really struggling to move the ball and and the Carolina Panthers, I suppose just weren't quite there and on the chemistry level. They they turned it around and, and almost probably should have won it in the end and, and we we're probably a little bit unlucky to to not. But uh, you know, certainly um there was one big hit from Miles Garrett which would have um, you know, made put a smile to for both of their faces. I'm sure they still get along quite well. But uh all in all he he was solid, wasn't he? And he's certainly a better, you know, a better play at quarterback than than as let's say a Sam Darnold or a, mm. uh even a Teddy Bridgewater for that for that matter. So they've certainly got some stability there now. The Panthers at quarterback, um, there's still a bit of a work in progress. Christian McCaffrey was obviously a little bit limited. They probably looked to limit him a little bit, um, you know, out of necessity just to kind of make sure he got through unscathed. And, but they've got a, they've got a great receiver set. We know how good DJ Moore was. He was a bit quiet on the weekend, but Robbie Anderson can be, you know, so damaging as we saw when he lengthened the field and, and really turned the game on its head with that, um, that long reception and, and touchdown. So, yeah, decent start from Baker, you know, steady uh, as he's kind of been in the middle of that road, kind of kind of quarterback that he is at the moment. And, of course, the big one was was the one on Monday Night Football with Russell Wilson. So I think the big, big talking point out of that game was with Nathaniel Hackett, of course, and his play calling. And, 
you know, deciding to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands late in that game to go for the field goal. What were your thoughts on that one, firstly? And and secondly, how did you see Wilson in the new colours and, and how he went? I, I thought I thought Russ was good. I I, I think it, it'll take a little bit of time. I think, you know, he, he spent so much time with, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf over the last few years uh, that it, it's going to take some time for him to build that chemistry with with a, a brand new receiver core. But yeah, there's plenty of talent there in in Denver. Um, and I think that the great thing is that, that it's so versatile and and varied in the, the skill set in that in that receiver group. Whereas you knew, you knew exactly what was going to happen with with Tyler Lockett. They were going to stretch the field, and DK Metcalf was just so dynamic and and powerful. But yeah, you know, that, that that entire group in Denver is so varied and flexible, and they can do a lot of things. With that, plus um, you know Melvin Gordon and and Williams on the ground and, and that sort of stuff, um, I, th- I think that they can they can do some damage. But I mean, it's one of those things. You know, you, you would have loved to see Russell Wilson just you know, take the ball and 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 lead Denver to 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 a win. There it would have just been such a good story. The narrative would have been great, but um, you know, it just just wasn't to be. First up. Yeah, which which won't hurt them overly. I mean, it, it, well, they, it will in terms of the wins and losses, which is the key thing, isn't it, for the Broncos in such a, you know, talented division of the AFC West. You need to be winning games against teams like the Seahawks, don't you? When, you know, every game counts, especially uh, in that division. So yeah, it was it was a bit of blow for the Broncos. We're looking to to make the playoffs for the first time since 2015. So that was a was a big hit to to take, but. Uh, no doubt they'll be improved, and we both think they'll bounce back pretty strongly at home this week against the the Texans. But we'll we'll touch on that later. But uh, it kind of leads us into the injuries that we touched on earlier. There's some big names, obviously, that went down in Week One, including as we touched on already, Dak Prescott, Elijah Mitchell, T.J. Watt, Chris Godwin, who only just came back, and Derek Barnett, just to name a few. So. Yeah, I suppose we see this week in, week out, and or year in, year out, I should say, and and how many injuries you know um, the NFL players do do get. And I mean, Dak Prescott is the biggest one, I suppose, in mm. terms of the 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 future of the that team and going forward. He's going, it, it's a big layoff uh, with a broken thumb and and such an innocuous incident late in the game when the game was done. So a bit of blow for the Cowboys, who now have to turn to Cooper Rush for the next few weeks, and they've got a pretty tough slate, obviously getting um, quite hard this week with the reigning AFC champions at the Bengals. And then, of course, a couple of divisional matchups. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting little time in Dallas. But I'm sure you can kind of see it with a bit of a smirk on your face and through rose-coloured glasses. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, you never like to see see players get injured. And I actually really like Dak Prescott as, as a person. Uh, as a player, I think he's a very good quarterback and, and just seems like a really a really decent human being. So I feel for him. But you know, as as an Eagles fan, as you know, I'm I'm quite happy for them to not have their elite players playing week in week out. But yeah, it's it's a tough one, and, and you never really know what to take out of Cowboys injuries because originally that they were saying oh it could be could be eight weeks, and then Jerry Jones comes out and says oh we really only think it's gonna be three or four weeks, and but you know that the, they never they never quite tell you the full story the the, the Cowboys, and and so you have to imagine that you know. On average, you're probably looking at six weeks, I reckon, for for Prescott in this instance, and and it could be, you know, for for their sake, I hope it's not as bad as the the original prognosis. But um, yeah, it's really hard to tell how long he's actually going to be out for. But I think the other one, uh, the other big one from from the week, obviously you, you touched on TJ Watt already and how important he is to the the Steelers' defense. But Elijah Mitchell, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on when when we talk about the Niners, but that they just cannot 
get any luck with running backs and injuries in San Francisco. And if you were coming through, if you get drafted as a running back to San Francisco, you'd be shitting yourself because you know that there's a serious injury right around the corner. Oh, mate, absolutely. I know it's it's an absolute curse down at uh, in the Bay Area at the moment with uh, running backs, isn't it? So, of course, everyone was scrambling for Jeff Wilson on the waiver wire this week, and uh, including myself, as I did have Elijah Mitchell in a, in a couple of drafts. So, very disappointing on that front. But yeah, more more importantly for the Niners, it's a it's a big loss, especially after the Week One loss against the Bears and and kind of falling apart there. So. They need to get back on track. Trey Lance certainly didn't look like a, a Jalen Hurts type early um, in week one. I mean, he had conditions against him, of course. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how he goes against uh, that Seahawks defense who, you know, who were cut apart a little bit by Russell Wilson, but certainly limited in, you know, the big plays, of course. So, yeah, interesting to see how Trey Lance goes against the Seahawks this week and, and if he can kind of get something going in the receiving game. But, of course, you know, the Swiss Army knife that is Debo Samuel will take a lot of the carries as as well as obviously still being a focal point on the receiving end as well. But we know Jeff Wilson will slot in nicely. And they've got a couple of rookie running backs as well that they'll try and, you know, incorporate into the, into the run game as well. But, it, yeah, Kyle Shanahan just certainly can't take a trick with um, his running backs at the moment. No, spot on. I, I guess we'll move on to some of the rookies. And I know that it's only a small sample size. We're only, only one week in. But a couple of, couple of rookies... Uh, kind of put their best foot forward, and and you mentioned uh, Pacheco in in uh, Kansas City. Trayvon Walker had a really good debut, the the number one overall pick in uh, Jacksonville. Jordan Davis didn't see a lot of the field, but when he did, was super impressive, and he's just a beast of a man. Uh, was any any others that you liked in in week one? Arn Dotson for sure for the Commanders, yeah. uh, my old team. As as I know, you've already kind of going to wind me up later in the yeah, episode. You, but you beat um, me to it. You beat yeah, me to he, it. He certainly looked um, looked apart straight away, didn't he? He he was certainly probably you know out of such a great receiving core in the rookie rookie stakes this year. He looked the man at the moment. Uh, Drake London was great too. Who was the highest picked? Uh, he he certainly looked like a a weapon for for Marcus Mariota there. He he was kind of the go to over over Kyle Pitts. Uh, early in that game. So, yeah, Drake London looked great. Uh, the others were kind of a bit more limited, but uh, Johan Dotson, for sure, he he was the one that looked like fitted right in and and looked like a, an absolute weapon, um, you know. And Carson Wentz looked good too, uh, you know. We'll get to that a bit later. But, yeah, Johan Dotson was was certainly a standout for me as well in, in week one. Uh, but, yeah, Pacheco, especially at Kansas City, as you touched on, was, was great from the offensive side as well. And we'll get to see some more debutantes over in the coming weeks, the one I'm excited to see is Dibido from uh, for the Giants. So if he gets a run potentially this week, that'll be really interesting to see as well. Probably time that we start looking towards week two. Uh, obviously, in the, the betting stakes, we didn't do a whole lot last week, just given it, it was week one. But we did have a, a couple of plays. We, we had some decent results on a couple of lines and, and player props. We had a few uh, touchdown, anytime and first touchdown scorer plays uh, with Derek Henry and Mark Andrews that didn't quite hit. Uh, the one that did count hit though, and that was uh, our lock of the week in, in Michael Pittman saluted at $2.45 to get us off to a, a nice start with the lock of the week. But some other nice wins from the week was Joe Mixon over 67 and a half rushing yards at New Orleans, one to 13 at $2.45. Chris Olave, 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 still not sure how to pronounce that. That last name in New Orleans over 40 and a half receiving yards. Uh, the Niners in Chicago under 41 and a half and Leonard Fournette, went over his 43 and a half rushing yards by just a couple. Um, so th- there's a few more this week. It's obviously we we're recording now on Wednesday nights. Uh, we 
used to in, in previous years record on Thursday nights where there was a little bit more available. Uh, there's not so much out, uh, at, at least in the Aussie books and even some of the US books looking around uh, already for, for week two. There's, there's not much there. So we might have to, to tweet out some more picks and plays over the, the weekend uh, as we get more access to, to some of those markets. But uh, we go again with week two and kick off with Thursday night football. LA Chargers at Kansas City. The Chiefs minus four and a half. The total is 54 and a half. And another blockbuster to open the week. Hopefully it's a better game than the season opener that you touched on uh, last week earlier in the show. But uh, it's only early days, but this division matchup will show us whether the Chargers really are ready to challenge for that AFC West crown, as you mentioned at the top of the show. But what are you hoping to see from this one, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see a competitive Chargers outfit. I know we've both kind of gone out on a limb a little bit to, to say that the the Chiefs can be dethroned this year and, and it's the Chargers that we think will do it. So, yeah, really excited to see this matchup. They've always had a really close game and, and some really exciting games over recent seasons. In fact, the last four times these teams have played the home, the, uh, sorry, the road team has won. So, and, and both of those times that Kansas City won were both in overtime. So we know the Chargers match up really well against the Chiefs. They always kind of put their best foot forward and, you know, Justin Herbert's going to have to do that again in the Chiefs' kingdom this week. So, yeah, can't wait for it. It's going to be an absolute um, blockbuster game. As as we've touched on, uh, the Chiefs looked incredible on offense last week. But uh, as I said, it was against a probably pretty weak uh, defense in, in the Cardinals. So let's see how the Chargers match up. We we saw already a really, you know, strong defensive showing by that Chargers outfit last week against the Raiders where they picked off Eric Carr three times, which I think was the first time his career or the first time in a very, very long time that he's had three interceptions in a game and they troubled him, you know, really often offensively. And they had really, you know, quiet games from their, their huge offensive weapons. Eckler was very quiet. So was Mike Williams who didn't get his uh, first catch mm-hmm. until I think, um, you know, late in the third or early in the fourth quarter. And um, we know, unfortunately for, for Chargers fans and, and for all NFL fans, Keenan Allen's going to be missing for this one with a hamstring injury. So that's a bit of blow for the Chargers, but, I still think they can cover him. They still have enough weapons. And, and I, I like the Chargers at, at a plus four and a half here in, in, a, in a tight one, um, you know, where a field goal could decide either way. So I'm, I'm certainly happy to play the, the the start on the Chargers, but it might be more wishful thinking knowing what we've got at stake for our futures. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Chargers can, yeah, let's hope it's a better game than last week, as we said on, on Thursday Night Football. But, yeah, I can't wait for this one. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I... I don't mind that the four and a half point start, but I, I think my I think my play here is just Chiefs to win and and Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. I think the one thing that concerns me is that connection uh, that Carr and and Adams had against the Chargers defense last week, and we know what what uh, output they they were able to put together. And uh, given the form that that uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and the rest of that uh, receiving core is in already following week one. I think that's that must be a little bit of a concern for the Chargers. And um I guess just just one to watch. But um yeah, I think Kelsey, Kelsey anytime touchdown uh in this one is probably my my play of the game. Is there anything that you like in, in this one? No, look, I, I, I agree with you on, on Travis Kelsey. I think uh he goes into everything, into any same game multis that you guys are having on this one, I think any time touchdown score is a really strong bet. And and depending on what that line is, uh, I haven't actually seen his his line. But, you know, if it's upwards of, you know, if it's, you know, around that 70 80, to 80 mark. I think, I think 80, it was 80, 80.5, yeah. I think, from memory. Yeah, if it's around that low 80s, I'd be taking that over as well. I think 
he's going to be the clear weapon for, for Mahomes to try and to try and pick apart. As, as he, and as you said, they they kind of did that with some success last week with Devontae Adams for the Raiders. So, um, yeah, huge, huge, huge lean on that. I really like that. I do, like I said, I do like the Chargers to cover this one. Um, I do think there'll be points as well if you guys are. I'm keen to play the over-unders there. I can't remember exactly what the over-unders is. I think it's around the mid-50s. It's pretty high already, but I think there will be points in this one. Um, you can easily see a 30-27 result either way. So, you know, that that tends to – that looks to go over, but um, it is a lot of points early in, in week two. We saw how many games actually went under last week, which is mm-hmm. something we probably haven't touched on is how many games actually did go under last week. So – um, defenses obviously click and, and can find a bit more form quicker than, than offenses. They take a little bit longer to kind of gel. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what trends kind of play out in week two. But I, I like the charge. And I think, you know, for anyone that kind of rode Mike Williams or Austin Eckler this last week, uh, I don't think they'll be as quiet this week. I think Justin Herbert will have to find his his main, his main men this week uh, and not have those kind of role players bob up for the touchdowns um, mm. as they did last week. Well, hopefully there is points because it's already a, a must-watch matchup. But, you know, if it is that kind of 30-27 type scoreline, then that'll make it a really entertaining game to watch. And I'm really looking forward to it, potentially even more than that uh, Bills-Rams matchup in, in the opener. I think that was more the fact that that was the first game. Uh, we know how how good both of those teams have been and can be, but this one is is just kind of a really tantalizing matchup from a number of narratives and, and not least the division that, that we've touched on. Uh, but moving on to the Monday slate, kicking off at 3 a.m. Washington, the commanders, your old boys at Detroit. Uh, the Lions minus one and a half. The total is 49 and a half. And I just, I can't think of a less interesting matchup than this one. I'm not sure the Lions deserve to be favorite here either. And I think I'm probably going to have a little go at, at your boys on this one. And, and, probably straight up as well. The one thing that I do know about Detroit is that DeAndre Swift is a superstar. Uh, we, we we know how good he's been in previous years, but I think he's ready to kind of take that leap into the elite running backs in the competition. I uh, was having a, a quick flick through some of the, the, the U S book um, markets and, and none of these uh, confirmed for Australian markets, but there was, there was some rushing yards lines that looked incredibly insane. Um, so we'll have to see what happens when, when the markets come out officially, but I, I'm looking at uh, DeAndre Swift against this Washington defense um, that allowed uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne combined 110 yards and, and a touchdown uh, last week. But um, what did you make of Carson Wentz last week for your boys? The old, the old mob. Uh, yeah, Carson Wentz was great. He he looked more like that that Philly Carson Wentz, didn't he, rather than that the indie Carson Wentz we saw last year. He was. Making some really good passes down the field, he, he like which has been probably his Achilles heel last year in Indianapolis was was you know spreading the field and actually throwing you know over that ten yards or those check down passes. He was actually um, letting his arm kind of um, do the talking and, and and he was good. He was good. He had a good group of receivers to throw to as well. And I suppose that's probably one of the strengths of the of that commanders commanders team is that offensive. Um, threat, I suppose, at wide receiver. Um, Antonio Gibson was was solid at running back, and uh, their defense was still a bit leaky. And and you know, as as you you're going to touch on, I think, in terms of the well, sorry, as you touched on in terms of how how many um you know rushing yards they they gave up last week on the ground and and even in the air. So yeah, I would be worried a little bit about the Commanders' defense again. They 
they controlled that game early. I watched mm. a fair bit of it early because I had a bit of a vested interest in the Jags. But uh, to let the, the fact they let the Jags get in front and you know it took a really pretty pretty much a really special play to to win the game at home can, was a bit concerning. So I can see why the books think the Detroit Lions should be favourites. But to your point, the Detroit Lions should probably never be favourites in the game <laughs> of the NFL at the moment. So yeah. They, they were okay against your guys, your boys. They were never really in the game. They only lost by three, but it was pretty junk time kind of, you know, they got it got it um, close late, but it was probably, you know, never really a threat to win that game. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting game. And like you said, it's 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 a fairly uninteresting matchup, but at the same mm. time, it is kind of interesting for the fact that it literally is a coin flip game. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I might have to side with the home team, but I could easily see why you'd be putting the commanders in this one. I, I wouldn't have a certain um, opinion either way on this one. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the Lions against uh, Philly last week, and I think if if they had pulled out that win late, and they did certainly, I think, throw a little bit of a scare through through the Eagles camp in that last quarter. But um, you know, I think if they had if they had pulled off that win, it would have been. I guess in that same conversation as kind of those week one bizarro world results. You know, I think, I think we all knew that Detroit at home, yeah, they had their number two pick, um, you know, the, the hometown, hometown boy making his debut on defense. And, um, you know, they, they were going to come out firing the new coach and, and all that sort of stuff that they were going to hit, hit the Eagles pretty hard and they couldn't quite get it done, but you're right. I think the Eagles kind of controlled that game for, for much of the day. Um, but you know, nearly let it slip ultimately in the, in the last quarter. But I just, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think that the Lions should be favoured in, in almost any game. I mean, maybe when they take on the Falcons or the Seahawks later in the year or, or something, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think I think I'm going to have a little play at Washington straight up at, at those at those type of odds. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, like I said, it can go either way. So um, if you've got a strong opinion on either on either side, it's, it's you're obviously getting great value. So uh, I can I can't uh, begrudge you of doing that. And if anything, you've probably talked me into tipping the commanders. But um, yeah, I'll sit on the fence here. I have no idea how this one's going to play out. But uh, yeah, if you can get those DeAndre Swift lines around that 40, 50 yards, yeah, I think that's a, a really good lock for your for your same game multis. And you know. It would be our lock of the week if we could actually find a find an odds, you know, in Australia around it. So we're just unsure what um what what book we can kind of trust at the moment um on a Wednesday night our time here in Melbourne. So uh it'd be worth having a look at though, if they come out tomorrow, especially. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I I I can't see I can't see the the rushing line for DeAndre Swift being anything less than like seventy five, eighty. Yeah. Um, and if it is, if it is somehow you yeah, kind of under sixty, then that's you, you just got to smash it. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like some of those numbers that, that we were able to see a little bit earlier with with some of the US books might be a mistake. Um, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the the Aussie markets open in the next kind of 24, 48 hours for for those games. Um, the New York Jets at Cleveland, the Browns minus five and a half. The total is forty and a half. What have you got for us? Not much, mate. I think it's a it's a pretty <laughs> pretty ordinary matchup, and and we saw the Browns, um, yeah, fall fall in a bit of a heat last week against the Panthers. Um, uh, they certainly didn't look there, you know, great on the on the with Jacoby Brissett under center. They they were carried by their run game, which was um, to be expected. But they did the job. They got the win, and um, that's all they could do. It was their first win 
in our, in our opener since like 20 or 2004 or something ridiculous. They hadn't won an opening week. So great for the Browns fans that they're off the mark and they should really be 2-0 after this week. You'd think they should take care of the Jets, but, yeah, don't have um, too much insight onto this one. Uh, mate, do you? <laughs> no, not really. There is There is no team that can fall in a heap quite like the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Uh, and I guess the only surprising thing is that they actually won the game. Um, because historically, I think that when they do that, they lose. And and um, yeah, you're right. They should they should take advantage of this matchup. But nah, I can't I can't do anything here. There's there's just nothing nothing here in terms of value or or interests or anything in this one. So we'll uh, we'll move on. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Saints plus two and a half. The total is forty four and a half. And another huge game in the context of this division, like we touched on with the opener for this week, the Saints have won seven of their last eight against the Buccaneers. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago at the Saints being a potential challenger to the Bucs in the NFC South off the back of that defense, which I might've gone a little bit early in saying could be the best defense in, in the NFL. But did that poor defensive showing against the Falcons last week have any impact on, on your opinion of, of where the Saints are at? No, I still think they're they're a playoff team in the NFC. Uh, like like you said, this this is going to be huge in the context of the season. If they can knock off the the Buccaneers again, they can they could be serious threats for the division crown. So, I, I certainly haven't changed my opinion on the Saints. I think they'll be they'll be strong. And and the concerning sign for the rest of the league is how good Michael Thomas looked early, mm-hmm. in, you know, in Week One. So you know, if he can get back to the Michael Thomas of you know a couple of seasons ago. Uh, yeah, they're going to have a fun season, the Saints. And uh, Jameis was good last week. He was, you know, he he did his his best work late in that game and was really really good with his with his ball throwing and and didn't make any mistakes. And you know, the defense did its thing late in the game as well. Just fast. Uh and you know, we saw some incredible incredible plays by Jarvis Landry, especially that that late catch which um, set up the game winning field goal. So I I can't be you know. Uh, it was a pretty slow start by the Saints, but I, I certainly haven't changed my opinion on them. I think um, I've still got them in the NFC wild card race. And yeah, Tom Brady looking to break his duck against the Saints. He's never beaten, or as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, he's never beaten the Saints. He's lost all four games he's played against them. So uh, I don't think he's ever lost five games in a row to a, to the same team. So he's due, and they look good. The Bucks didn't they against the Cowboys? Mm. He didn't much up a put much up a fight against them on Sunday Night Football, but. A, a few concerns on that offensive line for the Bucks, but uh, their defense looked looked extraordinary. So uh, it's going to be a battle of defenses, I think, in this one. And um, yeah, maybe that line looks a little bit high in the um, mid forties, or it's probably about right, actually, isn't it? That forty four and a half, because we know both of these teams can put up points, but we know how good both defenses are. So yeah, really interesting game, must watch. Uh, probably the must watch game of the early slate on Monday morning. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. I, I I still think that the Saints are are going to put it together defensively. I think that they're like like you said, still a still a playoff team, and I do think that they rebound this week. Uh, it is a big game, and we know that you know the New Orleans Saints are are a big game team. Uh, I guess the one concern is the fitness of Alvin Kamara. I think there's some some question marks and and uh, some concern about whether he whether he plays or, or misses this week. Um, Without him, it's going to be very, very difficult. I know they've got Mark Ingram waiting in the wings. He, he barely touched the ball uh, in week one. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's an able backup, but he's certainly not Alvin Kamara. Uh, and without him, it's going to be very difficult 
to get one over this this Bucks team. So keep an eye on, I think, on his fitness before you play anything in this one. But if there was one one market I liked here, it's probably that Bucks one to thirteen market at two fifty five. I think it's probably a little bit uh, a little bit overs, and and there could be some value there. I think that they probably I think they probably do break that duck that you mentioned. Um, I think they're probably slightly better at the moment. Uh, and like you said, it's pretty rare that that Brady loses five in a row to a to a team. So, yeah, I think that they break that dark. I, I do think the Saints play better, um, but a lot of it's going to come down to the the health and fitness of uh, of their superstar. Uh, Carolina at the New York Giants. The Giants minus two and a half. The total is forty two and a half, and a matchup between two of the biggest comeback kids in Saquon Barkley and uh, Christian McCaffrey. What do you make of what do you make of this one? Yeah, Saquon was a beast, as we've already touched on earlier in the episode, and, and McCaffrey was less so. He, he he did get the score sheet, which was, um you know, music to the ears of fantasy owners, finally, to see Christian McCaffrey in the end zone again. And like I said, he was, he was pretty limited. He only had the 10 carries. But I think if Carolina are going to be a successful team this year, they probably need to rely on that run game a little bit more and uh, feed the guys like Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard behind Christian McCaffrey. And and don't let rely as much on Baker Mayfield. He, he put up almost 30 attempts um, against the Browns, which I don't think is a recipe for success for the Panthers. I, I Like I said, I think Danny Dimes was excellent last week. He The Giants were great. Saquon led that team. It was good to see Sterling Shepard play that that larger role. Kadarius Tony wasn't even targeted on the um, in the receiving in the receiving game. He actually had a couple mm-hmm. of carries. Uh, himself, but yeah, if they can get him more involved, we saw how um, you know flashes of brilliance from him last year. So yeah, I think the Giants are uh, are going to win this one, and I think they'll get off to a two and zero start and give me a really nice leg up in their head to head, mate. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, I, like I said, I, I know I know you're you're a bit more bullish on the Giants than I am, but I, I I do still feel like that Giants win last week was was potentially one of those week one aberrations and. I feel like this could be a real classic letdown spot for the Giants. I know that the, the Giants have let down their fans so many times over the last few years. Um, and, and I feel like this is one of those spots that, you know, they're now expected to win. They weren't expected to win last week. Uh, they got that week one victory and their favorites this week. I feel like it's it, it's potentially one of those letdown spots for the Giants. So if, if I had to choose anything, I'm probably having to play at the, the Panthers line. I also might have a little play at the Panthers straight up. I just think that there's, there's maybe a bit of an overreaction on uh on this Giants victory from last week. But if if you're right, then uh that does give you a big boost in that head to head that uh that we've touched on. And we'll we'll keep coming back to that, I'm sure, a couple of times over the course of the season. But um uh, we'll have to work out what the uh what the prize is and, and what the actual terms of the bet are. Well we, I think we know we've got a head to head, but we haven't quite worked <laughs> out the details. So uh we'll we'll try and sort that out in the next uh in the next week or two. Uh have you got any plays in this one? Uh, no, no, no official plays. I would say, but if yeah, if anything, you know, I'd, I'd be taking that minus two and a half. I think that the Giants will cover that field goal um, start and um, and and yeah, be two and zip, like I said. So we've got a uh, we've got a kind of a head to head in this a one. Head as to well, head on I'm, I'm head. going the Panthers at the plus, and you are Giants at the minus. Uh, New England at Pittsburgh. The Steelers plus one and a half. The total is forty and a half. Anything you like in this one? An interesting matchup. It's obviously two storied franchises of the AFC that have met in, in many a championship games and and many a huge games in the in the regular season. It'll be the first time Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick have faced each other without TB12 and, and Ben Roethlisberger. So it's going to be a, a different look for these two coaches 
head to head, you know, two of the best in the in the league. So it's going to be an interesting one. As we mentioned a couple of times now, TJ Watt is going to be a huge blow for the for the Steelers defense, but they're still loaded. Uh, are certainly a lot more than they are uh, on the Patriots side of things. And and we saw them really struggle on offense as well, the Pats last week against, I mean, it must be said, a really, really good Miami uh, defense. But Matt Jones was a bit banged up. They didn't really make too many plays. Damien Harris and, and Ramon Stevenson weren't, were pretty much non-factors in that game of how they fell behind quite large early. So that's understandable. But, you know, at home, um sorry, away from home again, New England for the second week in a row and Pittsburgh back at home after, you know, an incredible win against some division rivals. I think they'll be pumped up for this one. I think the Steelers can go on with it despite uh, TJ Watt missing and I think they'll get the chocolates against the Patriots. What do you think, mate? Pretty tough, pretty tough start to the season for the Pats. I mean, that's that's a pretty Mm. good Miami team that you've you've touched on already and in those conditions as well, it was, you know, over 100 degrees, it's probably 33, 34 and and humid yeah. uh, as well in in those Miami conditions, and then to come back to Pittsburgh uh, and face this Pittsburgh uh, defense, even without TJ Watt, uh, there is still a heap of talent on there, and and the Steelers are going to need to rely on on guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward, etc., to to make sure that they stay relevant in uh, in their fight. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's a tough one. I I like Pittsburgh, but. I don't think that it's a it's a play for me. To, uh, any final thoughts on that one? Uh, no, I I think I'll, I'll make that an official play for me. Uh, I, I like the Steelers, especially at the start. And um, plus one and a half, I'm happy to take that. I think they're and straight up as well. But I think I think the Steelers can win that uh, for sure. So I'm not really sure why the Patriots are favourite, especially off week one uh, and what we saw there. But um, Steelers at probably, home for me, definitely. Probably the TJ Watt effect. TJ Watt it's the only thing yeah. I can. The only thing I can think of, uh, because every everywhere else, I think the, the Steelers have have the goods on uh, on this Pats team. So it's it is an interesting one, and and you could be right. And um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I just, just can't I can't do it myself. But um, yeah, I like I like it. Um, Indianapolis at Jacksonville, the Jags plus four and a half. The total is forty six and a half. And I really can't believe that this line is only four and a half. I think, you know, we, we've spoken in the past about overreactions and, you know, how, how quickly markets can move and change based off a result. I think especially early in the season, I think this one is an overreaction to a, to what was a poor Indianapolis Colts performance against the Texans. But, you know, we spoke about this last week. Those, those games with those two teams are always tough. And we see some weird shit in those games. Like it just seems to happen every year. Something weird happens or... You know, there's a weird result. There's there's a weird moment or event or something happens in in those games, and so, you know, it was it wasn't really much of a surprise, even though, yeah, I think anyone who was following my my Twitter throughout that game that saw me tweet a number of times, what the fuck are you doing in Indianapolis? Um, yeah, they they made some some weird decisions, but I think it's just one of those games. And we touched on uh, some of the rookies and, and Trayvon Walker, that uh, number one draft pick uh, for the Jags had a pick and a sack. Uh, and I think that, you know, we've already seen that there's plenty of improvement in Jacksonville, but I really do think that despite that performance last week, the Colts are just simply a much better franchise. And, and I think this, uh, this could be one of my best bets of, of the week to, to get on Indianapolis. Uh, I think they're going to bounce back big time. We saw Jonathan Taylor already humming. Uh, it looks like Matt Ryan and, and uh, Michael Pittman have, have already forged a bit of that relationship. 
uh, through the air. And yeah, I like the Colts by more than a, a touchdown here. So I'm, I'm going to play that Colts line. What about you? I love your confidence. I, I, I can't share it, unfortunately. I just, with the Colts and, and how these teams match up as well. They're, they're one of the teams that they struggle against, like the Texans. Uh, they, they kind of have a really poor record against them. The Jags have covered um, the last five games against the Colts and, and the home team has won the last nine games between these two teams, which, yeah, certainly doesn't trend in the Colts' favour for either of those um, those stats. But like you said, the Colts are a far better team, a better franchise at the moment, and, and um, they should be covering that line. It, it seems like a low line for where the teams are, are supposed projected to be uh, this year and, and where they were last year. But, yeah, that Week 18 match is still burned in my memory last year of the Colts collapsing against the Jags. And like I said, the Jags are, are just one of those teams that kind of troubled the Colts as, as has the Texans, Texans in recent, recent seasons. But if you can, if you can just erase those first three quarters of last week, the Colts are winning this game by over a touchdown for sure. I agree with that, Nick. Mm. Um, they were, they were pretty good in that second half. Uh, sorry, in that last quarter, I should say against the Texans, they spent 79 answered points in, in pretty quick time, but then just couldn't make it happen in overtime. But yeah, they should bounce back if they're anything, you know, if they're AFC South favourites like you've got them as and what they are in the books, they they should be winning this game and, and winning it by over that that margin. So, unfortunately, I can't jump on with you and uh, we'll discuss it later if we can make it a lock of the week or not, but uh, I won't be sharing the same confidence with you. But I wish you all the best and I'll be secretly maybe hoping for a Jags win. <laughs> Very nice. Miami at Baltimore. The Ravens are minus three and a half favorites. The total is 44 and a half. And I really liked the look of Miami last week. You know, we, we touched on the Pats uh, a little bit earlier, but Miami were, were really strong. I mean, they were by far the better team in that, in that matchup. And now really it's on them to prove that it, it wasn't a, a one-off performance. It wasn't one of those week one performances. I think, you know, starting to see that tour Tyreek uh, rapport kind of kick off. But these, these are really important games because they, I think these two are probably likely to be fighting for those wildcard spots in the AFC come the end of the season. And you know, they, these results early in the season can have such a, an important and, and big bearing on those final seedings and, and placings at the end of the year. But um, no no play for me in this one. It is a really intriguing matchup. Um, anything from you? Uh, I reckon it's an absolute cracker matchup and, and one I'll be kind of glued to as well. And, and to be honest... Um, no, we don't want to overreact in week one, but if I could change my wildcard picks in the AFC, I would be including the Dolphins in my picks now. I think they're a legitimate playoff contender, just seeing the weapons and, and how that kind of offense came together last week. And Tua looked good, and that defense is still really, really good, as we saw in the back half of last year. So I, I think they're a really sneaky team, you know, that potentially might not challenge the Bills for that. AFC each champ, um, that crown, but I think they're a certain wildcard team. And I know I had Raiders as my probably my seventh or and final pick in the wildcard spots. But if I could do my picks again, I'd be changing those. It, those Raiders out for the Dolphins again. It could be a very early overreaction, but I think the Dolphins can can upset the Ravens in this one. I wasn't uh, completely enamored with what the Ravens did last week. Lamar Jackson finally got going. Um, later in that matchup after a really sluggish start. But, you know, they did look good when they got it going, the Ravens. But I just think they need some more in that run game. And that's where their DNA is, the run game in Baltimore. And Lamar Jackson barely had a carry. Uh, there was barely any runs from um, – he did look good in the pocket, though. He did look more like a, a quarterback, didn't he, than a running back. But uh, 
I just think the Dolphins are, are building something, and and I think the the um the momentum they're going to take in from last season, um you know seven of the last eight or whatever they won, and they came into Baltimore last year and, and beat them in a Week Ten matchup that kind of stunned stunned the Ravens where they were flying and the Dolphins were really struggling, and that's what was the catalyst for the, for the Dolphins run, and that's when like their defense really clicked into gear, and I think they can. They can pull off a similar result here in this one. So three and a half point favorites. Um, Baltimore seems like a um, a nice start there for for Miami. Three and a half points for over a field goal. I, I'm happy to take that as a play, and I'll make an official play as well. But something special is happening in Miami, I reckon. Finally, so yeah, let's let's jump on the Dolphins bandwagon and and take them plus three and a half. Yeah, I really like it. I I, I remember saying uh, last week during our our season predictions uh, piece that. I was tossing up that kind of final wildcard spot between Miami and, and Baltimore. Uh, and I did go Baltimore, uh, but like you, I'm kind of wishing that I'd gone Miami and, and there might be a little play, you know, checking at some of the, the futures markets in, in a couple of weeks when we go and look back at, at some of these lines and, and some of the, the, the plays that we have spoken about uh, over the last few weeks. But uh, yeah, I really like Miami here. I, I, I can't play. I, I don't think I can take this, uh, to the same confidence that that you've got, but um, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that that Miami get up, even though I went Baltimore for that uh, for that wild card spot, just because I think that it's, it's a really good story, and uh, I think that they're they're building their franchise, they're building their team the right way, and and we're starting to see dividends. And I know that the one question mark that we had was, you know, if they could start the season strong, we know that they finish season strong. If they could start the season strong, then then they could do some real damage, and you know, hopefully last week wasn't. Uh, an anomaly and and that is kind of the new Miami Dolphins and, and that's what we can expect from them week in week out but um, I, I do think that this Baltimore team are probably a, a better unit than than the Pats are and it's gonna be interesting to see how the the Dolphins handle that um, but uh, I do like your confidence in in this one uh, we move to the 6am slots on Monday Australian Eastern Atlanta at the Los Angeles Rams the Rams Ten and a half point favorites uh, after that shellacking in the uh, season opener. The total is forty-seven and a half. What do you think about this one? Uh, my initial thoughts are: even that is a high line. I, I'd be taking the Rams. I think at that. Uh, I think they um, can bounce back pretty strongly on this one, especially um, with the second um, home game in a row. And like I said, not too many Super Bowl uh, teams or any Super Bowl champion teams uh, start the season 0-2. So I think they'll bounce back in a big way and there's not too much more to add than we've already that we've already touched on earlier in the episode. So um, Rams to bounce back and, and get their season back on track. Yeah, they need they do need to bounce back. And, and I do think that they do. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'm willing to take double digits after what they served up in, in week one. I, I do think that they win and, and that they probably do win it easily. They probably do cover the line. But I just can't take it. They're, they're going to be super disappointed at what they served up last week, and um, they're going to want to write that ship. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not willing to take it, especially having seen some of those kind of boneheaded decision from uh, from Matt Stafford and and like like we touched on at the top of the show that over reliance on Cooper Cup when they've got guys like Alan Robinson and and uh, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson and and you know a bunch of other guys on offense that they can use. It's it's really versatile. Uh, but until they get that balance right, um, yeah, I, I know that they should win this by three or four touchdowns, but yeah, I can't take it after what we saw last week. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco, the Niners minus nine and a half. The total is 42 and a half. And 
we touched on it at the top of the show, but another year, another injury to the 49ers starting running back. And luckily, uh, I was able to jump in really quick and pick up Jeff Wilson in our fantasy league. So we've got him We've got him on our team now. Uh, I was able to get him. You did that. Good man. I, I yes. did see an email come through about that. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Got that. I also got him uh, in, in my other league. So I'm wrapped because I was a bit short on uh, on running backs in, in both of our leagues, actually. But um, a little bit like the, the Giants, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like the Seahawks win last week might have been one of those week one bizarro world results. And so not not really willing to touch this one until we know a bit more about both of these teams and, and these franchises and I guess what they look like uh, over the next few weeks. But how do you feel about both of these teams? Yeah, similar to what we just touched on with the Rams, I think the Niners should come out and win comfortably, but there's no way you could probably take that confidence or that that high line or double-digit line against uh, the Seahawks who who knocked off the Broncos and especially what we saw from, from Trey Lance and the and that Niners offense. So I won't be touching this game at all. I think the Niners should bounce back. But yeah, super interested to see how they perform with um without Elijah Mitchell and how they utilize Debo Samuel. But more importantly, how how Train Lance responds after that yeah, pretty ordinary week one showing. So I'll be watching and and certainly no plays for me. Um, but uh, I might have a look at the props as they come out, like you said, over the next 24, 48 hours and, and we might tweet something out over the weekend or, or, or on Friday or so our time once we, we have a clearer idea of some player props. But, yeah, no no play for me on this one in, in a head-to-head sense, but the Niners should be bouncing back. And um, we know that the Seahawks are still quite limited, but they, they did the job and on, on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, interesting to see how they kind of um, – what they respond with this week on the road. In, intrigued to see what type of tragic injury falls uh, Jeff Wilson this week. Probably – break his back rolling out of bed or something. Uh, something something's likely to happen there in uh, in San Francisco. Cincinnati at Dallas, uh, the Cowboys plus seven and a half. The total is 43 and a half. And the Bengals have lost their last three matchups with Dallas by an aggregate of 38 points, but they head into this favorites by over a touchdown. I know Dallas uh, are missing Dak Prescott. We've touched on that uh, a fair bit at the top of the show. And, and we know that they struggled in the passing game. Last week, going at just fifty percent completion rate between the two QBs, but this don't—I don't think the the Bengals' offense will be as stagnant as it looked last week against the Steelers. The Steelers put up a really good defensive performance. That uh, that Bengals' offensive line that we touched on uh, earlier in in the uh, in our season predictions and and uh, division previews and stuff looked like it was brand new. Looked like it's a retooled offensive line, uh, which it is clearly, but I don't think that they're going to play that badly again. Uh, and I think that they could nearly put up this uh, 43, 44 uh, point line on their own if, if they put it all together. Uh, Joey Burrow, four interceptions and seven sacks last week. I just can't see that happening again this week against the, the Cowboys offense, although Micah Parsons keeps proving that he's a, a beast in this league and another year or two could be the best affair in the competition. So I, the one that I like here is the overs on that total line. I think that the Bengals uh, fire offensively. I think Joey Burrow has a, has a bounce back game. Uh, we know the talent that they've got on, uh, on offense and Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, a bunch of, bunch of those guys. So I feel like that the Bengals could put up some points on their own and, and nearly cover that line on their own. But, um, what are you thinking? I completely agree, mate. I, I really like that overs, um, that overs play. I think that's that might be our lock of the week. Actually, I think that's a really strong play. The Bengals will come out and, and score points. We know that. 
Uh, I, I think there's no way, like you said, that Joe Burrow is getting seven sack, uh, sacked seven times again. And, you know, the only man that could do it is Michael Parsons. He was pretty much a one-man band on that defensive line, wasn't he? He was the one keeping, you know, Cowboys in it uh, last week, you know, he kept making plays and, and getting mm-hmm. to quarterback uh, last week. And like you said, he looks like an absolute beast for, for years to come on that Cowboys uh, defensive line. But unfortunately, he didn't have too many mates to go with him and they just struggled mightily on offense, didn't they? Zeke looked good. He he looked he looked like he'd slimmed down a bit and, and looked quite good, which probably limited our man Tony Pollard. Or certainly my beliefs in Tony Pollard. He um he wasn't utilized as much as I would have liked to have seen. And and let's hope he has a bounce back week this week and, and get into the end zone. But I, I think the Cowboys. I mean, C D Lamb. I mean, he could barely. You know, he he was blanketed all game, of course. And but you know, Dak's throws weren't great to him. He had something like 10 or 11 targets, but only had one or two catches and was just a non-factor in that game. And, you know, it, they couldn't get anything going on offense. The Cowboys it was their lowest uh, lowest score in a season opener since 1989. So we're going back a long way there and over 30 years. And yeah, the Cowboys have um, some big question marks now with Cooper Rush, a quarterback, who, of course, led his team as a starter last week to a, to a couple of wins. So... Um, he's certainly no slouch, but he's he's certainly no Dak Prescott, and that's going to be the big difference in this one. And I think the Bengals will get on the board with a win. Um, somehow they stayed in that game and, and probably really should have won it uh, after all, after all the, mm. the issues that they had on the offensive line and, and Joe Burrow seeing the ball over. They still really should have won the game with um, an extra point. Um, uh, an extra point away. So, you know, and you don't often see them block. So, I think the Bengals are still a really strong team. They, they're still, for mine, the team to beat in the AC North, and I think they get on the board this week uh, in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, I think there'll be points in this one. And I think, like you said, the Bengals will be putting up the majority of those, if not potentially all of them. Who knows? But um, it'll be a big win, I think, for the Bengals. And, yeah, I think that, that overs looks like a nice play. Mm. It, it was an insane ending to that game last week with the Bengals. And I think – incredible. You know, we're talking about Cooper Rush, and I think the difference between the the Cowboys this year to last, when when Rush filled in for, for Prescott, is you know they've lost talent uh, yeah. on offense. You know they've <laughs> lost Amari Cooper, obviously. CD CD Lamb, like you said, is kind of a one man band on on offense now. Yeah, Mark Gallup's still not back. Yeah, although no, he's no, questionable no, this week rather than out. So I, I didn't think that he was expected back until about week three or four. But that that would mm. be interesting if if he's back because he's obviously a, a difference maker. Uh, and a real impact player on on offense, but you know that they dearly need some more talent uh, in the passing game, and and I'm not sure how they rectify that issue. And and you know missing missing Prescott, who we know is is an elite QB, uh, when they're already short on talent on offense, is uh, is a real worry now that now that Cooper Rush is is having to step in for whatever that period of time is, and and I guess the 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 running game is going to become even more important, and how they utilize that. Uh, that two man, that two man running combo or tandem of of Zeke and and Tony Pollard is is going to be really interesting because you know it could go the other way in that you know without Dak Prescott making some of those incredible throws that they they need some of the you know dynamicism of Tony Pollard on offense as opposed to the the bulldozer of Zeke Elliott. So it's going to be really interesting to watch and and it's certainly a, a an intriguing an intriguing matchup. Um. Houston at Denver, the Broncos minus nine and a half. The total is 45 and a half. And the Broncos at home with a quality QB is tough to go past. It's a new era. Russell Wilson at the helm in Denver. 
Uh, four receivers had over 50 yards receiving last week, uh, even though it wasn't a great overall showing from the Broncos. And I just think that they they take this opportunity at home, you know, in the uh, the altitude in Denver with, with Russell Wilson throwing the ball uh, a bunch uh, and that really varied, talented receiving core that they've got now in Denver. Uh, and I think that they write the ship at home and uh, I'm on a, a decent big win for, for the Broncos over the Texans. Yeah, I agree. Can't can't argue with you at all there, mate. I think the Broncos bounced back in a big way and, and we know they would have won that game if not for a few, um, you know, loose ball carries at the goal line. So uh, if they tidied that up, we saw how good the, that tandem can be with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams and, and Russell Wilson obviously came in and, and threw, threw for three hundred over 300 yards straight away and like you said, looked like he had a, a good rapport with most of his receivers already. So, uh, yeah, big win for the Broncos coming up, I think, in this one. Although the Texans have been plucky of late. They've um, they've covered the line in uh, four of the last five games and they've obviously been heavy underdogs in most of those. So uh, don't expect a, a complete shellacking, but, you know, I think the Broncos should be winning and, and winning pretty well. What do you make of that that uh, tandem running back combo in Denver? I dare say it's, it's the... Oh, no, it's probably second best in the league, third best in the league behind uh, the Packers at this stage. I think um, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon as a, as a tandem and and you've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb as well in Cleveland. So there's a couple of good ones there, but I think that, uh, that one has a real, um, you know, all the makings to be a pretty special unit. I mean, Melvin Gordon's aging. Javante Williams is the, is the young up-and-comer, but Gordon took the responsibility in that second half when they... They uh they took the ball out of Williams's hand. Um, they kept throwing it to him uh, in the passing game, but they they certainly didn't want to give him too many um, carries. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's going to be their um, you know their one wood this year is and despite with Russell Wilson at quarterback, I think their one wood is still that run game. It's interesting because all all of last season, I think almost every week they said, "Oh, Javante Williams is going to become the clear number one, and, and Melvin Gordon will be obsolete and and whatever." And it never happened. You know, mm-hmm. they, they kind of went real, real 50, 50. Um, and it looks like they've, you know, they're, they're kind of starting this season that way as well. And so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, they, they do uh, go with the the young buck uh, a little bit later on in the season, or if they continue to, to run that tandem play, which is, it is really impressive. Like you said, but uh, I'm a bit miffed that you didn't mention Boston Scott and uh, Kenneth Gainwell in those, those tandem running backs behind. We can uh, get to that. Sands. We haven't got to the Eagles game yet. Mate. <laughs> uh, next up, Arizona at Las Vegas, the Raiders minus five and a half. The total is 51 and a half. And uh, how are you feeling about the Raiders? Yeah, it's a really interesting game. This one, I, I'm a bit, bit perplexed as why the line is such a high one uh, in favor of the Raiders. I don't think, I mean, and we know how the Cardinals got kicked apart last week. That was against a, a pretty handy team and a pretty pretty good quarterback named Patrick Mahomes. And despite Derek Carr's interceptions last week, the Raiders were right in it up to their eyeballs against a you know a team that we both think can go as deep as an AFC Championship game. So we believe the Raiders should be favourites at home after what we saw week one. But I think the line is a little bit high there. Uh, we know the Cardinals can be excellent on their day. But yeah, it's an intriguing matchup. It could all fall apart for the Cardinals this year. If, you know, we see if we see that defense getting picked apart, you know, as they did against the Chiefs, it could all unravel pretty quickly. Especially after you know such a big deal for for Kyler Murray. Um, you know, he looked short of options last week. You know, which hasn't been the case over the last couple of years with 
Um, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously out. Uh, AJ Brown was a non-factor. We saw Zach Ertz only kind of get a, a late time, a late junk time touchdown. But in the first half when the game was on the line, was was barely targeted. Marquise Brown, again, had a pretty quiet game until, again, a pretty late, meaningless touchdown. So, yeah, I'm a bit concerned about that Cardinals defense. And it's one of the reasons why I didn't have him in my, have him in my NFC Playoff teams this season, so uh, like I said, I think the Raiders should should be winning, but I think that line is a is a treacherous one. So I'll be staying away from from any plays in terms of the line on this one. But uh, yeah, interested to see if the Raiders can bounce back and 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 obviously that that Devontae Adams um, play for you has already started really well. With he he collected 140 yards, um, but he just couldn't get his team over the line. Yeah, and no, I I agree. One hundred percent. I'm not sure I want to take Vegas uh, over a field goal here. I think that that line is is too high. Um, but I think you're talking about that Cardinals defense and the, the question marks or concerns around there. You know, one of the big one of the big changes was Chandler Jones going to Las Vegas, and you know we know how important he was in uh, in Arizona last season. And all of a sudden, you take that take that presence out of that defense and. Uh, you know, it, it's a massive hole to fill, and, and I'm not sure that they've quite worked that out in Arizona yet. He's, he's obviously a massive in for for the Raiders, but uh, yeah, like you, I'm not sure I can take this line for, for Las Vegas. Uh, Monday, 10.20 a.m., Australian Eastern Chicago at Green Bay. The Packers, nine and a half point favorites. The total is 42 and a half, and this is pretty gross. I mean, normally, in, you know, historically over the last decade, this might be one of the easiest games to, to touch on with a, a line under 10 points for the Packers, but they looked awful last week. Uh, what did you make of the the new offense in Green Bay? I mean, it's almost like a receiverless offense. And when you've got the MVP quarterback and you don't have a, uh, you don't have a legitimate receiving core, it's an interesting position to be in. And, and then secondly, what did you make of Justin Fields in, in Chicago? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point you make. And, and, I know it's not panic stations yet in Green Bay, especially after what we saw. If you wind, if you mind, um, wind your clocks back back to uh, week one this time last year, the Packers lost thirty eight nil to the Saints, and they looked like an absolute basket case. And it was after a few, you know, contract disputes with Aaron Rodgers, and whether the guy was going to even show up uh, for week one, let alone um, play. So I think they'll they'll fix it. The only difference in that though is that there's no number. 17 on the offense for, for the Packers. So Devontae Adams is a huge hole for Aaron Rodgers. And, and you know, he was, he's been quoted on the Pat McAfee show and a few other sources, you know, he, he couldn't, he was just frustrated with the lack of um, chemistry, I suppose, going on. He, you know, there was guys that dropped open balls, uh, open touchdowns and, and, you know, the Christian Watson a couple of times wasn't even looking the same way when the ball was getting thrown to him, so that you can see, there's an obviously obvious disconnect between these young receivers and and um, and of course the quarterback. But Alan Lazard will make it a big more. Well, shouldn't say make a big big difference because I was saying to you during the week, he's probably one of the worst wide receiver number ones in the league. I mean, Alan Lazard was no more than a you know a, a bit player you know in the last couple of years under Devontae Adams, and um, now he's got to carry that offense, and it's it's a big offense to fill because. You've got number twelve throwing you the ball. So uh, AJ Dillon obviously was good in the passing game last year. They need to find a way to get Aaron Jones more involved. Uh, but second to your point and your second question, Justin Fields was really bad early, but he found a way late, didn't he? And um, 
you know, we know the Bears are going to be a, a heavy run team and Khalil Herbert looks like a really strong, um, you know, strong one-two punch there with David Montgomery and, and they kind of carried the team late in that game. But there's a few good weapons the Bears do have, including Darnell Mooney. Colt Met wasn't even, you know, barely targeted in that one. Mm. So I think he's a really, you know, valuable tight end in, in the league as well. So uh, Justin Fields found a way and like I said, he did it with his legs as well. So I don't know if he can beat Aaron Rodgers in at Lambeau yet and they've lost, um, you know, the last six against the Packers, the Bears. So you'd think it should be a win for the Aaron Rodgers, but, uh, you know, if the Bears can somehow sneak a win here and go two and zip and the and the Packers fall to 0-2, then the NFC North is wide open and, and the Packers are, yeah, it's a long way back for them. So mm. a hugely interesting game. Um just not sure the way it's going to go. I think the Packers should win. I just, I just can't take have any confidence in how, how, how the game's going to play out, though. Yeah, spot on. And I think both Aaron Rodgers and and Darnell Mooney would probably be wishing that Darnell Mooney was in Green Bay at the moment. But uh, no, you're right. I, I think you're, you're spot on there. And and there's no confidence in in the Packers at uh, at that type of line. Uh, and so no no play there for me either. Tuesday, 9.15 a.m. Australian Eastern Tennessee at Buffalo. The Bills minus nine and a half. The total is 49 and a half. And I think on form, you know, what we saw in, in week one, Buffalo should shit this in. But what do you think? They, they certainly showed why they're the early season Super Bowl favorites with that demolition of the uh, the reigning champs. Yeah, I don't see any any flaws in their game, do you? Like that, that was a pretty impeccable performance against the Rams. The one question, though, is burning on my lips is why the hell is there a doubleheader that overlaps on a Monday night for them in the States? Is that a going to be a weekly thing or what's the go here? I don't know. They're both being televised. Um, are we yeah. able to watch both of these or what? It confused um, me a bit too. So Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a weird setup. They're an hour apart and, um, you know, we'll be tuning in for the late, you know, by the time your team kicks off at, at 10.30, uh, Tennessee and Buffalo should be coming to the first half closure. So, yeah, it'd be good to watch both games at once, but uh, let's hope they're both televised. But, yeah, the Bills were incredible week one. They've had a, an extended break since that that um, opening game to come into this one. They're back at home against a team that were the number one seeds in the AFC last, week, uh, last year and, and beat them. You know, the Titans certainly won't hold any fears going into Buffalo, but... There's no way you could pick Tennessee to win after what we saw in week one. And uh, I don't think you'd have any right to tip against Buffalo at, at home all season uh, and even let alone on the road. So I think the Buffalo Bills should get it done. But if they can they can win, you know, by three or four touchdowns and, and you know, really just flex their muscles, then look out. I mean, you don't win a Super Bowl in week two. But, uh, yeah, they, there certainly doesn't seem to be too many holes in that in that team at the moment. And, and Tennessee, they found a way to lose last week from almost the unlosable position and, Again, a missed field goal will come back and potentially bite them on the arse. And when it comes down to who wins that division, so that was pretty gut wrenching to see. Um, they're only head to head of the season in in the division titles. Um, and my your after your team choked and, and got a draw, my team had a chance to snatch a win, and they couldn't do it. So I'm sure you had a little smile to yourself there. But um, yeah, the Bills are incredible, and I think they'll they'll win in this one. And and yeah, they're certainly the Super Bowl favorites for a reason. Yeah, it's 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 incredible to see how they've built this roster over the last few years. They're they're so balanced, but they are so talented. Like it's it's balanced talent. It's like across every line, they've got you know elite talent, elite players, and and difference makers and and impact guys. So yeah, it's it's really impressive. And and yeah, quite clearly the the team to beat so far. Um, you're right. I mean, they should they should be winning this by 
you know, probably two or three touchdowns given what they did last week. But um, yeah, it, it is a tough one knowing the history between the two teams and, and what Tennessee's been able to do uh, to Buffalo, you know, in, in the last year or two. But yeah, no, no play for me, but uh, you're going to have to tune in for that one, surely. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's going to be, as long as it's telecast, mate, I'll, I'll be watching, that's for sure. Split, split screen. Split screen. Yep. Uh, Tuesday, 10.30 a.m., like we were talking about, Minnesota at Philadelphia, the Eagles minus one and a half. The total is 51 and a half. Why don't you kick us off for the final game of the week? Yeah, it's the latest starting game of the doubleheader, um, as we touched on. But, yeah, I'm really interested and, and can't wait for this match just because of how both teams won in week one and we know how wide open the NFC is, especially with the Rams' loss in week one. The NFC certainly is wide open. And, you know, if the Vikings or the, the Eagles can go two and zip, it gives them a really good leg up in their respective divisions and, and in the whole conference. So it's a, it's a must-win, well, not a must-win game, but it's it's going to be a really interesting viewing to see how it goes with those two teams that, that won in week one. Kevin O'Connell seemed to unlock that offense with with a few different plays. And um, it's just so nice to see the Vikings, you know, kind of utilize that and not have Mike Zimmer on the sideline. Justin Jefferson was, was epic, as we know, in that first half. He broke a franchise record in that first half with 158 yards, um, himself in that in just one half of football, he ended up with 184, as we know. Um, and the Eagles just explosive, but it was more the ground game. And and as we touched on just before about the the dynamic running backs, you've got a three headed monster. You've got um, you know you've got Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and of course Miles Sanders, who all scored touchdowns rushing the football last week, and so did Jalen Hurts. So four rushing touchdowns with four different players. We saw a, a pick six as well to go along with that for the Eagles and, and AJ Brown. Wow. I mean, Devontae Smith didn't even have a catch, but Devon, AJ Brown certainly made up for that. Um, in his first game of Eagles colors, 10 catches, 155 yards, which was a, an equal career high. So no better way to start the season for AJ Brown. And I think it was, um, you know, Philadelphia fans rejoice when you've got a receiver finally, as, as good as him and the caliber of him finally in that team. So, uh, yeah, your boys look great. The Vikings look great. It's so hard to pick this game. I have absolutely no idea who's going to win. I have to lean to Philly just because they're at home. But, yeah, it's going to be a cracker. I can't wait for this one. Just just because of the ramifications and how wide open the NFC is, like I said. Yeah, spot on. I mean, I'm really, really pleasing for both for both teams as an Eagles fan. I mean, I think, I think it answered some of the questions or concerns you had you know, when you, you spend that type of collateral and, and assets in, in bringing in a guy like AJ Brown and you don't have, you know, w- what you would call a traditional QB one uh, in Jalen Hurst in, in terms of a throwing, you know, passing quarterback. I think it answered some of those questions that, that Jalen Hurts can get in the ball and can utilize him. And then you've obviously got Devontae Smith, you know, still, still, you know, essentially not firing a shot last week. And so, if you can get both of them working in tandem and that running game that you you already mentioned is is really dynamic and you know, so varied and we already know we already knew that um, you know could get could get some results out of guys like Boston Scott and uh, Kenneth Gainwell but what what we really wanted to see was you know leaning on Miles Sanders and and really being that bell cow and you know three down back type guy uh, and and we know that when he's given that role that he's he's a really efficient runner I think he averages something like five and a half yards per carry when he's given that role and. Um, you know, it's just just really impressive offensively that performance. I think defensively, you know, there's still a bit of work to do, and and uh, you know, this is a really good test for the for the Eagles 
defense against a, a really dynamic offense. You've already mentioned those guys in, in Minnesota and, you know, there's no, no better man to start with than Justin Jefferson and, and, you know, one of the most incredibly talented players we've seen in the league in a very long time, uh, potentially the best receiver in, in the league already at, at, what is he, 23, uh, 22, 23, and, and only really been in the league for, for a couple of minutes, but um, he's, he's just a superstar. And, you know, one of the things that, that we've both mentioned about the Vikings is that we want to see that consistency from, from not just week to week, but quarter to quarter and, and half to half. And, you know, we know historically uh, under the old regime in Minnesota that they could ship points really quickly. I think this Eagles team is, is a team that can put up points really quickly if they get things right. Uh, and so I think it's, it's going to be a really good test for, for both teams and uh, wh- whichever team does win this one is going to walk away really happy and, and will have earned it, I think. Uh, but uh, as always, no play for me in uh, in an Eagles game. Any other any other final thoughts? Just have to lean towards the home team, I suppose, slightly. But the the over fifty one might be might be tempting as well. I think it'd be nice to see a shootout on Monday Night Football. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Great week of matches, and I, I think we've come to a lock of the week, have we, mate? Well, we are we are one and zip on the lock of the week. We got the uh, the Michael Pittman up last week, so we've got to do it again and, and get a really good uh, head start into into this season. So, what are you what are you thinking? I I think we both really like the overs in the Dallas Cincinnati game, so I think that must be our our lock of the week this week. I know it seems like the the books are put in a bit lower because of the Cooper Rush factor. So. Let's hope um, the Bengals boys can put up the majority of those points and we can we can salute with over 43 and a half, my friend. Let's do it. Let's lock that in. Uh, that is now on record. Lock of the week, Cincinnati and Dallas over 43 and a half. Fingers crossed that uh, we're back this time next week and we're two and zip in the lock. Uh, anything else that you particularly like this week? I know we've, we've gone through the games, but any, any other lines or, or uh, markets that jump out of you? Kind of yeah, I know we haven't touched on the player props too much, guys, being a Wednesday night and and no books really open other than the Chargers-Chiefs game. So we both do really like Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown, though, in that Thursday night football game. Um, we do probably have a head-to-head at this stage, but I am keen on the Giants to, to cover that line of two and a half. I also like the Steelers with the plus of plus one and a half, and I do like the Dolphins at plus three and a half. Um, and, of course, as we touched on, the, the lock of the week as well. So they're probably a couple of mine this week mate like it yeah i think that the kelsey one was the other one that we, we kind of tossed around as as being that uh lock of the week option and and you said kind of anchoring any same game multis or, or whatever you've got for uh thursday night football uh other ones for me yeah i do like that bucks one to 13 at, at two dollars fifty or, or thereabouts uh the colts minus four and a half um but yeah i think that i think that uh that total in, in uh in dallas is uh is the one to go for so that that's uh I think that's going to anchor a lot of a lot of my multis this week. Any uh any final thoughts before we we sign off? No, mate. Uh, like I said, can't wait for especially we we bookend the the weeks really well, don't we? This week we've got a, a monster Thursday night football game that we can all enjoy Friday morning here in Australia, and then we've got a, a pretty riveting Tuesday morning game our time as well with the Eagles and and Vikings, and and to the to the same extent probably the Bills and Titans is going to be a good watch as well. So. Yeah, another exciting week of football, mates, and let's hope we can be two and zip on our lock of the weeks, and we can we can get off the board in our fantasy comp as well that we're in together, um, co-managing. Uh, we had a, a slight L on the weekend with a, a three or four point loss in the end, so pretty disappointing 
we look like we're in a winning position and it all all unraveled. It fell apart. It fell apart. And hopefully uh, this show won't fall apart like that did. But uh, no, thanks again to everyone for listening. Uh, as always, if if you do want to hear anything in particular, you want to hear anything specifically from us, uh, if there's something we haven't covered, hit us up. We are on everywhere across social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, slam us. Uh, agree with us, hate us, love us, whatever you like, but uh, just uh, send us some, send us some tweets, send us some comments and, and get in touch. Cause we'd love to hear from you guys. Other than that, that probably wraps it up for, uh, for week two and uh, we'll be back next week. Go birds. Go bills. <laughs>